Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Today on the Charlie Kirk Show, we dive into a very important and provocative question. If I hated America, what would I want to see happen right now during the Chinese coronavirus? Before we get into it, email us your questions, freedom at charliekirk.com, and also, Type in the Charlie Kirk Show, your podcast provider, and hit that subscribe button. Hit subscribe and follow us on Spotify. We need you to subscribe. Type in Charlie Kirk Show, hit subscribe, give us those five-star reviews. Huge show in store. Buckle up. You are going to love it. Here we go. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the Charlie Kirk Show. What interesting times we live in here in America. I hope all of you guys are surviving and thriving in the midst of this pandemic, treat this time like a blessing. Exercise, learn a new language, expand your knowledge base. And yes, I know some of you are watching too many TV shows right now. Mr. Producer did recommend Ozark to me, which is terrific, by the way. Finish the first season. It's similar to Breaking Bad, but a little bit different. I'll do an entire AMA question about Ozark. You guys can email us at freedom at charliekirk.com. I'm not yet on the third season, so don't spoil it yet. Uh, There's so much happening in the world, and there's something I really want to dive into because I I was watching one of the cable news programs over the weekend that will not be named, and there was an assumption that one of the hosts made, and the host said, well, it's so obvious that everyone wants to get America back to normal. It's so obvious that we want to get back to how things were. And I asked, I stopped myself, is it, is it really obvious? Is it true that people, everyone wants America to get back to how things were? Or is it possible that some people actually want to continue it the way it is? And, and so then I, I thought to myself as I was doing more research, and I encourage everyone listening to this, try to read your news, not watch your news. Big difference. Listen to your news, obviously, here on The Charlie Kirk Show. We're going to give you the news every single day that we can. But reading the news, I think, allows you to find the bias a lot more accurately than watching the news. Because you can st- you can read at your own pace. Watching, though, they don't. The, the, it, if someone's watching the news, everyone's watching at the same speed. When you're reading something, you can slow down and you can truly digest it. So when I was reading the news this last weekend through one of my many newspaper subscriptions. So Governor Gretchen Whitmer, who's the front runner to become the vice president for Joe Biden, she passed some very puzzling measures over the last weekend, some would say. And she said it all has to be for the public good. For example, she outlawed the use of motorboats, even if you are by yourself. Why? I'm not really sure the reasoning of that one, except just trying to restrict personal liberty and personal freedom. She said it is forbidden for citizens from traveling from one home to another. And so Governor Gretchen Whitmer, she's she's George. She would be a perfect protagonist in George Orwell's novel, 1984. Just telling people to stay in their home, public surveillance. You have other governors that are instituting total widespread public surveillance throughout their states. And so I want to go back to this question that I asked. Does everyone want to actually return to normal? See, when I when I come across a political issue that I'm thinking about and I'm spending a lot of time on and that divides America and where there's just a lot of Republicans and Democrats, I don't always see eye to eye on it. And that's definitely how we are right now 
on the China virus. Republicans generally want to see Americans go back to work, and Democrats generally want to see things continue as is. That should be your first tell. But there's still a lot of overlap, still a lot of people that are kind of very concerned about the virus, some people that are very, very scared, and rightfully so. And so this is the most instructive question you can ask yourself when you come across trying to figure out why you believe what you believe on certain public policy measures. If I hated America, what would I want? That's it. That's the most important question you can ask when trying to figure out answers in times of widespread confusion. Brett Kavanaugh, if I hated America, what would I want? Oh, I would definitely not want Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court if I hated America. He stands for a strong America with strong borders, protection of civil liberties, interpretation of the Constitution. If I hated America, what would I want to see happen during the impeachment of Donald Trump? We don't even have to ask that question because the adversaries of America were literally cheering for the impeachment and the removal of Donald Trump. Now, I'm not saying that everyone who supported the impeachment and removal of Donald Trump hate America. Some people do, absolutely. I'm not saying that every single person that supported the blocking and the public assassination campaign of Judge and now Justice Brett Kavanaugh hated America, but there were plenty of people that did. But if you ask yourself this question when you come across every single issue that you might be confused on, this should offer clarity because there are people that hate America out there. There are people in our country that hate America. There are people internationally that hate our country that want to see it burn. So let's take, for example, a terrorist in Iran or a member of the Chinese Communist Party or someone in Vladimir Putin's orbit that wants to see America burn to the core. What are they cheering for? If I hated America, which thankfully I don't, and if I hated America, a lot of you would not be listening to this program right now. There's plenty of programming for you out there of America bashing, anti-America, anti-Western type programming. But if I hated America, I would want these shutdowns to go on for the next year. If I hated America, I would be happy to see 17 million people out of work. If I hated America, I'd be thrilled to see Christians not be able to go to church on Easter Sunday, yet see marijuana shops and liquor stores open. If I hated America and I hated what America stood for, I'd be thrilled to see Christians that went to a drive through sermon be ticketed, by the way, stayed in their car, drive through sermon, and be ticketed for violating the law, but meanwhile, marijuana shops remain wide open. If I hated America, I would be happy that most of America was trembling in fear and that the greatest wealth-creating engine in the history of the world, the most moral instrument that we have to abolish poverty, fund our schools, help the least of these, build up our benevolent and charitable society, has been put on hold. And I want to dive into that point more because we don't talk about that enough. We don't talk about enough that when we stop American society altogether, we're not just stopping people's livelihoods because we are. We're not just stopping people's dignity and people's dreams and people's visions because we are. We're not just seeing an 891% increase in the national distress hotline. We're not just seeing doubling and tripling and quadrupling in the suicide rate because we are. We're not just seeing like we are in Knoxville, Tennessee, where they had 10% of their annual suicides in just 48 hours, 10 days ago. We're seeing something more than that. And I'm going to get into it in just one second. But first, I want to talk to you about Credible. For those of you out there that owe a bunch of student loans and you're just worried about how you're going to get forward and what you're going to do, you got to check out Credible.com. It's an online marketplace that gets you pre-qualified student loan refinancing rates from up to 10 different lenders. If you are being crushed by the cartel of the colleges, if you are getting email after email, just, hey, hey, you owe money, there is a way out. It's Credible.com. It helps people get out of student loan debt. If you've got student loan debt, you could benefit. Now, with a lower student loan interest rate, you could save on interest, obviously. You could lower your monthly payment. It's literally money in your pocket. I know a lot of you listening to this podcast are anxious 
financially, you're anxious about the direction of our country, if you're anxious about your student loans, you guys have got to check out Credible.com. Credible customers have given awesome reviews about how much better their lives have been after refinancing their student loans. On Credible, you see actual pre-qualified rates from up to 10 different lenders, whereas with some online marketplaces, you'll get ranges of rates or ballpark estimates. It only takes a couple minutes to check rates. Checking rates doesn't impact your credit. They'll never sell your data, so you won't receive spam and phone calls from dozens of different lenders. So right now, if you guys are being crushed by the cartel of the colleges, you're wondering how you're going to pay this off, right now, visit Credible.com slash Charlie. That's C-R-E-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash Charlie. C-R-E-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash C-H-A-R-L-I-E. When you refinance your student loans using this link, they'll give you a $200 gift card. Please visit Credible.com slash Charlie. It's the only way to go. Credible.com slash Charlie. So when we shut down the American economy, we are shutting down the basis that allows us to be able to give to charity. You know, churches' donations are down dramatically. Charities are having a tough time being able to finance their programming. You know, if I hated America, I would be happy to see America borrow $4 trillion this year. If I hated America, I'd be thrilled that we were about to embark on one of the most dangerous things a society can do, which is hyperinflation. Inflation is a tax of tomorrow, borrowing from future generations, ensuring that your purchasing power will be diminished. No one creates inflation except the government. The government is the only institution. The money supply and who creates the money is the only institution that creates inflation. So for ISIS out there, what's remaining of them after Donald Trump has basically destroyed ISIS and they're flipping through their phones and they're flipping through their fake Twitter accounts, what are they cheering for? Are they happy to see America get further in debt? You bet they are. Are they happy to see us possibly go through hyperinflation? Oh, yeah. Are they happy to see the war on Christianity and the lackluster response to the violation of our freedoms and liberties? Absolutely. For the totalitarian leaders in Iran, are they happy to see American energy and energy independence be threatened because of the shale dumping happening by Saudi Arabia and Russia? Oh, yeah. They're very happy about that. If I hated America, Would I want the shutdown to continue? Let me nuance this a little bit further. If I hated the history of America and what America stood for, if I hated where America has been the last couple years, would I want the shutdown to continue? Let's build this out even more. Is it possible that some people actually want to see these shutdowns go on further than they actually should? Absolutely. And this goes to something I talk about all the time on The Charlie Kirk Show. And this crisis has only further illustrated one of the guiding thesis of why I do what I do, which is that the left does not mean well. Sure, there are, there are plenty of leftists and liberals that deep down really do want what's best for the world. But the left, for those that decide to embark on malevolent acts, they don't mean well. So on these cable news channels, it finally hit me when it got back to Why I've dedicated the beginning part of our program here to talk about it goes back to something I talk about all the time. And for those of you that that listen to the Charlie Kirk Show, you know this. It's one of the most important points that I make and one of the ones that I hope everyone walks away with knowing, which is that the left does not want the same America that we want. The left is happy with an America where there are 3,000 abortions a day. The left is happy with an America with borders that are wide open. Now, the shutdown does not necessarily impact the abortion argument in their favor. In fact, it actually impacts the abortion argument outside of the favor of the left. They're upset that abortion factories are being shut down. However, the left does not want the same vibrant, prosperous, generous America that we want. Instead, the left wants an America where maybe work is not considered to be the primary activity of an adult. Maybe that the left wants us to get used to staying at home. Maybe that's why they put in this silly, backwards, and disastrous unemployment provision of the $2 trillion, $6 trillion with leverage spending bill passed in Congress. If I hated the ideas of America, if I hated the prosperity of America, I would be cheering for these lockdowns to continue. 
you have two states that are handling things very differently. Texas has 287 deaths. California has 651 deaths. California has more people than Texas, but they both are massive states. However, California, specifically in L.A. County, they've already extended their lockdown to mid-May. Texas is already talking about implementing and instituting a back-to-work plan. Now, why is it, and if you actually talk about the amount of cases in California, they have 21,794, in Texas, 13,906. If you account as a percent of the population, California has slightly more than Texas, but they're within about the same margin of percentage. So why is it, though, that the reactions are so different? If I was a left-winger who wanted to abolish private property, who thought business was evil, if I was someone who thought that the wealth-creating engine of capitalism was awful, the scientific community that has pushed for this shutdown has done more to attack capitalism than Karl Marx could have ever dreamed of. Because you have capitalistic entrepreneurial business people that have had to sacrifice and surrender their entire life and they may never get it back. If I was a Marxist, I would love this shutdown. To use the Hegelian dialectic, I would see this as an instrument and as a piece in the puzzle to try to abolish American capitalism, to try to destroy the wealth-creating engine. That's only if I believed in it, because I don't. I believe in a strong, healthy, safe, vibrant America. But I think it's instructive to talk about what if I didn't believe these things because certain people do. There are some people that are going to look to politically capitalize on this crisis. And I'm not just talking about Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer that are trying to get funding for abortion and the Green New Deal and handouts to hospitals that are furloughing employees or $25 million to the Kennedy Center despite them furloughing employees or $75 million to the fake news anti-Trump operations of national public radio or public broadcasting. I'm not just talking about that piece of funding and those fights of politically capitalizing. I'm talking about deeper than that, more structural than that. I'm talking about the stay-at-home orders by the mayors and the governors that are working in concert and tandem together that are looking over their shoulder and they see this as a power grab opportunity. That's only if they believe it, though. I'm not putting that on every single person that's saying that because there are plenty of people that mean well, like Governor Ron DeSantis, who loves America, that has issued stay-at-home orders. But guess what? Every day, Ron DeSantis is talking about getting America back to work because Ron DeSantis, being an American patriot, someone who served in our military, someone who understands the history of America, someone that served in the U.S. Congress and defended the president against the attacks against Mueller, Ron DeSantis knows that every single day the American economy is shackled. Every single day the American economy is put into a government-induced coma is a day that we are less likely to preserve the blessings of liberty, freedom, and everything that generations before us worked so hard to give us. If I hated America and wished it to burn and to be destroyed, there are very few weapons out there that a terrorist or someone who wishes harm to America that could do the damage that the shutdown has done to our country through hyperinflation, deficit borrowing, the stagnation, and the total pause of America. So if I hated America, and I wanted to inflict damage on America, and you were given a choice, you could hijack a plane or, God forbid, do some sort of public act of murder, or you could shut down everything. Well, boy, look at the evidence in front of you. If you shut down everything, You have 17 million people put out of work. You have all of a sudden America put on the precipice of the greatest government takeover in American history. There's another point about this that I want to make that I think is very important, which it's a question that I think is very fair, and I want you guys to email your thoughts at freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com, which is, What is the breaking point? Because I was actually wrong. I was wrong because I thought that we would already be there. 
So my question is, where is the breaking point where Americans say, okay, we've been cool with everything until now? I'm going to tell you exactly what I mean by that. But first, when running a business, HR issues can absolutely kill you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, and labor regulations. I talk about people that might hate America. Well, there's people that might hate your business. And for those people that might hate your business, I know you know that HR managers are not cheap. In fact, they average $70,000 a year. So that's why I want to tell you about Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E. It was created specifically for small businesses. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. You could totally flip it on its head. Big man, I don't like HR. To boom, I got the best HR out there. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. It's like having an HR ninja at your disposal. That's what Bambi can do. HR ninja. From onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day to day, all for just $99 a month. You guys can get a ninja for your HR for $99 a month. It's amazing. You guys don't have to worry about it anymore. You guys can have it solved. And I know a lot of you out there looking to cut costs. This is for you. Month to month, no hidden fees, cancel anytime. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time in HR compliance. You wanted to grow. You wanted to prosper. You wanted to fulfill a vision. So let Bambi help. Get your HR audit today. So right now, go to Bambi.com slash Kirk. That's Bambi.com slash Kirk. Right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash Kirk. Spelled BAM to the B-E-E dot com slash Kirk. HR Jedi, HR Ninja, HR Svengali. Get your answers now. Bambi.com slash Kirk. So I was wrong about something. Not afraid to say when I'm wrong. I thought that Christians wouldn't tolerate not being able to go to church on Easter. I thought that would have been a breaking point. I thought that those of us that believe that Jesus is king, that Jesus is the resurrected son of God, the perfect sacrifice for us, flawed, broken sinners that are condemned to eternal damnation, not to be able to celebrate the risen Savior, not be able to go to church, I thought that would be a breaking point. And I was wrong. And I I do want to compliment Christians that peacefully watch church services that were saved and peacefully abide by the CDC guidelines. I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing that Americans took it the way they did. I am saying it's generally good, though, that Christians didn't make a scene out of it and made it about Jesus that day and didn't make it about the fact they couldn't go to a specific physical setting. But I thought and I conjectured and I predicted that that would be a breaking point. I thought it would be a breaking point when there are weed dispensaries open all throughout the biggest state in the country, California, and churches remain shuttered. I thought that we would not tolerate that. And I spoke out very forcefully against it. I thought it would be a breaking point when child rapists are being released from prison and pastors are being arrested. I thought that would be a breaking point. Part of me wonders, is someone trying to see what the actual breaking point is? Are there people out there that wish to expand government? Yes. Are there people out there that wish to attack Christianity? We know that. Exhibit number one, Robert Francis O'Rourke who the fake Hispanic Irishman from El Paso, Texas, who had the failed presidential run, who famously said any church that does not perform same-sex marriages will be forced to do so or lose their tax-exempt status. Do you think Robert Francis O'Rourke is worried? Do you think he's up late at night praying and hoping that the church gets reopened? Do you think Nancy Pelosi is? I have my doubts, and I'm not, I'm not here to say that somebody is a Christian or someone is not a Christian. That is not my role to play at all, but I have my doubts that Robert Francis O'Rourke, the person who wants to strip away a church's tax-exempt status because they don't believe or practice same-sex marriages, is someone who's really worried that the church is closed. So we know that there are people that want to go after the church. We know there are people that want to expand the surveillance state. In both political parties, by the way, remember the Patriot Act? 
FISA abuse, Edward Snowden, who I do consider to be a traitor of the United States, who actually did expose something helpful in the conversation around civil liberties. And I don't think he's totally a traitor or totally a hero. I think it's more nuanced than that. But I do think that there was some good that came out of what he revealed because we were lied to by our government about the mass surveillance that was happening in our own country. So we know there are people that want to expand the surveillance state. We know there are people that want to take our rights, liberties, and freedoms away. Are there also a group of people, and maybe it's the same group of people, or maybe it's an intersection of those groups of people that are just pushing ever so gently, a little bit further, a little bit firmer, a little bit more, a little bit more, just to see how far they can push this idea of American freedom and civil society. And then when they hit that breaking point, they'll retreat and they'll say, okay, got it. Now we know. Is that what's happening? A rational, logical observation would be that in some places, yes. Because there's no defense whatsoever to say, hey, you guys stay at home. Criminals and child rapists go out of jail. There's no defense of that. There's no defense to say that prisoners should be getting liberty and Christians should be limited in their religious liberty. And it all kind of ties together to something that's really been bothering me. And I'm going to say this as carefully and delicately as I can as we get into this topic, which is at the beginning of this entire nationwide shutdown, the reason and the license that these power grabbers and these statists and these collectivists that have always been looking to expand their own personal control over civil society, the people that have been wanting to take people's guns away, the people that have been wanting to shut down churches and have been wanting to go after people's rights and liberties and freedoms, the people that were so focused on being able to pass socialized Medicare and get people on the government dole, the reason for all of this, if you go back to the origination point, was modeling and data, all of it. It's the story that we have been told from the outside of this. And so I think we've been operating on two very, very incorrect extremes. The first incorrect extreme was happening in January and early February, where the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese lied to the world, covered up the spread of the virus in China, did not tell us how infectious it was, did not tell us the attributes or the characteristics of the virus and basically allowed it to spread all across the world. Now, there are a couple explanations for this. The first of which some people, such as Senator Tom Cotton, are asking the question of whether or not this was a bioweapon. We don't know that yet. We haven't seen the evidence behind that yet. The evidence we do know is that the singular type of lab that could create a bioweapon of that sort is located in the Wuhan province and region of China. The second explanation is that China was afraid of being embarrassed. They were afraid that they couldn't contain it, and they were worried about the PR around the virus. The third explanation, was something much more sinister, is that they saw how infectious it was, and they thought that, okay, we're going to suffer, but let's get ahead of it the best we can, and on the curve... We are going to be able to turn the corner quicker than the rest of the world. We'll be able to come in and parachute as the heroes. Most of the world is foolish enough not to blame us or weak enough to not dare challenge us. And they lack the courage of their convictions to dare cross-examine us. Those are the three basic schools of thought around why China did what they did. And we'll be able to, as more evidence comes in, be able to decide exactly what was motivating the Chinese throughout all of this. So the first extreme that we are operating on and the amount of data that we had when people were kind of shrugging it off is, oh, it's another flu. It's not that infectious. Where Dr. Anthony Fauci was going on cable television telling people to still be able to go to movie theaters, still be able to go to public sporting events. Where the Surgeon General was saying that it's, it's fine. Where Alex Azar was saying that this is a low risk to the American public. And in this statement, I'm not condemning them or attacking them or trying to characterize them. I'm just saying that was the extreme we were operating on and that was an incorrect extreme. We were being misinformed by the Chinese 
that put us at a significant disadvantage. Now, President Donald Trump, through clairvoyance, instincts, or whatever you call it, closed us off to China on January 31st, despite his own experts saying something completely different on cable television. President Donald Trump actually acted ahead of the advice of Dr. Anthony Fauci and Dr. Deborah Burks, who was not exactly in the picture at the time. President Donald Trump actually placed an all-in huge bet, if you will, that the Chinese were not telling the truth. President Donald Trump actually wagered up tens of thousands of American lives into the Texas Hold'em poker ring, if you will, to use an analogy, saying, I'm going all in and closing off travel to China, and I'm betting that China's lying to us. I'm betting that there's more here. And God bless you, Donald Trump, for doing that. Because you saved thousands and tens of thousands of American lives when you decided to do the right thing in defiance of being called a racist, a homophobe, a bigot, and every possible word in the book by Joe Biden and everyone else. And even Maggie Haberman for the New York Times said very calmly on an interview that this probably was a good decision and saved lives. So that was the first extreme that we were operating on because that was the day that we had. And President Donald Trump, if he would not have closed us off to China, we would have had, we would have had a two-pronged simultaneous attack from the hotspot of Europe and the hotspot of Asia, and we would have twice as much damage in our country as what we have right now. And now we're operating from a second extreme. And we're going to get into it in just one second. With currently no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be horribly wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, as they bring the Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has daily live Madden NFL 20 simulations you can wager on. Wow. If you're into entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. And Bet Online's Dave Mason about the big Bet Online quarantine challenge this weekend. Visit the website or use your mobile device and join today to receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at Podcast One, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account right now. Make sure you use that promo code Podcast One for your sign up bonus. Visit betonline.ag. Don't forget that promo code Podcast One for your sign up bonus. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Then the second extreme got introduced, all around data and modeling. The great Andy McCarthy from National Review had a great piece that began to break it all down. And he talks about a lot of different numbers. In a space of just six days, I'm quoting, starting April 2nd, two revisions on April 5th and 8th have utterly discredited the model produced by the University of Washington's Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation. When you peruse the new data, it is staggering as what it says about government predictions and what we're hearing just days ago at the likelihood of 100,000 deaths with as many as 240,000 a real possibility. And he goes on here basically saying, we began this entire conversation with a specific model that was out there. And as we know, the most extreme models somehow get the most attention in the media One of the models said, well, if we do nothing, we'll have two and a half million people dead. Remember that? Two and a half million people dead. So now, as recently as April 8th, the model shows that the projected cumulative deaths were slashed to 60,000. So some numbers that were out there were two and a half million. Millions of people are going to die. Now, I'm not diminishing 60,000 people at all. This is 60,000 human beings. Souls, loved ones, fathers, daughters, sisters, aunts. These are real people and real death, real suffering. However, the difference between 2 million and 60,000, well, just to compare that, the CDC estimates that 61,000 people died from the flu in the really worst period of flu between 2017 and 2018. I remember that flu season. It was awful. It was one of the worst flu seasons. And we didn't shut down the country for that. We didn't, we didn't go through the most dramatic monetary and fiscal measures known to man because of the flu season of 2017 and 2018. And that's what we're now on pace for, according to this other model. But early on, 
I was somewhat skeptical of these models. And data scientists confirmed my skepticism. And we talked about this on the Charlie Kirk Show very early on about how we have to balance the economy with the Chinese coronavirus. But I was skeptical of the models for a very simple reason. Let's take a step back to recognize that reason. It's, it's right in front of us. It's because outside of these health models, if we have any sort of built-in memory of what we've been told over the last five to ten years, most models that the media picks up never come true. Let's just take the financial models. Let's just start with that one. How many times did you hear people, the experts, tell you that because of the election of Donald Trump, we would go into a global recession out there? Oh, well, we're in a global recession now. We're not in a global recession because of the election of Donald Trump. We're in a global recession because of a killer virus, okay? We were in the most prosperous economy in American history. How many times did you hear, sell all your stocks? We are going to have a horrible, horrible financial climate. Well, we already know where the stock market has been up. It's been down. Even if you were to say where the stock market is today, it's still up significantly from the day that Donald Trump got elected president of the United States. What about climate models? I mean, how many times have they said that, well, we only got 10 years left for the earth to live. What about the climate models in the 1980s that said we're going to go through a global freezing period? The models that the media picks up are phenomenally incorrect. In fact, they are in fact, they are clickbait driven. You can count on it being wrong models. See, when I see models that come with a bit of sobriety and nuance and a lack of flashiness, I say that makes sense. What about the political models? What about all the modelers and pollsters that said Donald Trump would never win the presidency? What about the models for the New York Times that Hillary Clinton had a 99% chance of winning the presidency? What about the experts like Nate Silver who said that the worst case scenario for Hillary Clinton was 320 electoral votes? Now, of course, the financial modelers are different than the climate modelers that are different than the political modelers that are different than the health modelers. And of course, they're in completely and totally different industries. But they have one thing in common. The people that are publishing these models in a front-facing, almost PR-focused, I want to get attention around my specific think tank, around my specific cause, my specific column, they're going to err on the side of being alarmist. And I'm not talking about every modeler out there. But if you say the Earth is going to end in 10 years, you're going to get on a television show for that. It doesn't matter if you're wrong or right. Someone wants to hear from you because that's apocalyptic. If you're going to say that, worst case scenario, Hillary Clinton, 320 electoral votes, you're going to get on a show up for that. Now, I'm not saying that's what motivates every modeler. But what it does show you is that these people, the scientists, the political scientists, the climate scientists, the financial economists that do the modeling, the people that have been so unbelievably wrong creating the clickbait-style journalism modeling around the auspices of being objective scientists and economists and data-driven, you know what they are before all of those things? They're human beings that are flawed. They, they, they are no more morally superior or morally righteous than baseball players. They're going to act in their own self-interest. And guess what? In the current situation we're in right now, you are bullied, demonized, punished, and silenced if you have any form of dissenting view. Science is supposed to be about a place of Socratic analytical discussion around all points of view. Use the scientific method. Put more data into the model. And guess what? We shut down our entire country bowing down at the altar of a piece of paper around an XY axis that we didn't even know. We shut down America around a graph from the same community of people that have not produced an accurate graph in the conjecture community since the time I've been alive. And you can go a step further. The foreign policy experts were wrong 
around what was going to happen in the war on terror and the liberation of Iraq. All of it. This community of experts are typically wrong more than they are right. And so people say, well, Charlie, hindsight is twenty twenty. There were people like myself that were saying, hold on a second. Not so fast, my friends, to use the Lee Corso analogy. Because when you shut everything down, saying that this XY axis, it could be right. Well, a lot of things could be right. But one thing we know for certain in the trade-offs of what could be and what is, when you shut down America, wealth will be destroyed, suicides will increase, dignity will be stolen, the poverty elimination machine that we have called the U.S. economy is gone. So we're willing to bankrupt our country over these so-called experts, to bankrupt millions of small businesses, because we wanted to bow down at the feet of an XY axis. And what does that tell us? That tells us that the media positioned these people and preyed on the love that we have for those people in society that they told us were at risk. For our grandmothers and grandfathers, for our aunts and our uncles, for our parents and loved ones, and the people that have other health issues. They were preying on our trust. They were preying on our morality. So what you had was, the, and we go to these models now, these models are blown up. We deserve answers, everybody, okay? Because there's a person right now who's dead in Knoxville, Tennessee because of this, who committed suicide. What are we supposed to tell them? There are people committing suicide every single day in Las Vegas right now because the casinos are totally shut down. Totally shut down. And they're, they're committing suicide because the one thing that, that might have given them meaning was their job, was their routine. People don't do well in isolation. They become despondent. We are social creatures by definition. We have never done this before in human history. You realize that, right? We've never just shut everyone in and said, wait it out, bunker down. I hope you can get through it. We're not built for this. Nothing in our country is built for this. And God bless the president for accurately and correctly pointing that out. They scared the hell out of our country, everybody, around an XY axis that's been debunked. That is wrong. For the people that created this model that has now been so disproven, where's the recourse? Do you realize that you did damage? For the people that just believed it and said, oh my goodness, the world's going to explode. It's not your fault. It's not your fault at all. You were looking at things morally. I care about human life. The experts say this. I want human beings to be safe and protected. You were making a rational decision. But I was coming at it and many other people around me were saying the financial climate foreign policy, and political models have all been wrong. The trade models have all been wrong for decades. We've been lied to. And now we're supposed to believe that the very same people that brought us the Mueller hoax, the Russia hoax, the Kavanaugh hoax, that have been lying to us about the climate models that are completely imploding in front of our eyes, the financial models, the stock market models, that told us that Trump would never be the nominee, that would never run for president, that all of a sudden that we should believe everything that they say. And now, I'm not saying the entire thing is a hoax. I am not saying that at all, Media Matters, that's listening to this, just waiting for me to say something wrong. This is a real tragedy. 60,000 lives is not to be diminished. But 61,000 lives or 65,000 lives is not 2.5 million. It's not. And shutting down the greatest wealth-creating engine and the instrument of goodness for the world and diminishing our currency and mortgaging future generations and depleting our national spirit, that is a heavy price to pay for an XY axis. Models, graphs, and charts is what put us into this. And I'm sure a lot of you say, well, Charlie, you've said before on this show that math is the way that we make sense of the natural chaotic world, that math is the language that God gave us to make sense of the world. That is absolutely right. But guess what? If you're putting garbage into a formula, 
you're going to get garbage out of the formula. When you're just conjecturing, which is what was happening, if you're putting hysterics into the formula, if you're putting clickbait into the formula, if you're putting, I want to be famous into the formula, you're going to get garbage out of the formula. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that said, well, Charlie, I really thought millions of people were going to die. Doomsday scenarios, apocalyptic. Those are now being disproven. So now as we look to reopen the economy, and they're saying, well, there could be a second surge. Please, ask yourself the question. Wait wait a second. If the first surge was a percentage of a percentage, not as bad as you said it would be, why would the second surge be what you're telling us what it is? Why? Because here's what I do know. In Phoenix, Arizona, I can't get my hair cut right now. In Phoenix, Arizona, I walked into a man that owned a sandwich shop, and he was just staring up at the TV screen, and you could just see the soul that was being beaten down, just staring up. I walked in, and the bell rings. You come into one of those small businesses, it rings, and I get his attention. He looks at me, he says, you're the only customer that's come in today. I said, well, I don't usually eat sandwiches. I'm allergic to gluten because I was actually seeking my favorite drink, which is Topo Chico. And I said, well, do you have gluten-free bread? And he said, no, I don't. I said, okay, I'll order something, no bread. And I got to talking to him. I said, how are you surviving? He said, well, we're waiting for government assistance. We still haven't gotten our loan. He said, we're down 98%. Wow. He said, uh, you know, DoorDash is helping a little bit. He said, we're just not a well-known name enough. He said, I don't know if we're going to make it. So we're probably going to put our have to mor- remortgage our house, but the banks aren't open, and the lines to get to the banks are an hour and a half long. He said, and I can't get a banker on the phone. Okay. He said, yeah, my wife has medical bills, and she had an elective surgery plan, but we can't get the elective surgery because the hospitals are totally cleared out for corona. Meanwhile, we're furloughing hospital workers all across the country because we were told that there was this surge. Bought the product. Gave him an above-average tip because I felt really bad for the guy. And it really hit me. In Phoenix, Arizona, I look at the places that are open that are able to kind of get by. It's the Dunkin' Donuts, the Starbucks. They're going to be fine no matter what, okay? They got the drive through apparatus. They're sitting on hundreds of millions of dollars in cash. They got brand ID and brand recognition. Walmart stock is going up in recent days. They're going to be fine. But around the XY axis that we put this entire experiment around, we put civil society in a government-induced coma where we said, stop it, gone, done. Explain to me, and we'll talk about this more on the next episode of The Charlie Kirk Show. I want to break out the Article 5 argument, which I'm not going to argue for more government spending, but I might actually argue for a reimbursement program because explain to me how it's any different. Where the government comes to you, and let's say it's the sandwich shop owner, and let's say he's all the way in Payson, Arizona. Okay, he's a little ways away. And they want to build a new highway. In order to build the highway, they got to build the highway straight through the sandwich shop owner's building. And they go to the sandwich shop owner and they say, we'd like to purchase your property, sir, so that we can build this highway through Payson, Arizona. Now, if it ends up going to eminent domain, he has to be paid the value of his property and his business. Has to be, constitutionally. How is it any different when they forced him to basically go on the verge of bankruptcy and they stole all of his business away? How is it any different that the government did not forcibly go and put a gun to this guy's head and say, you got to close down your business? The only difference is you went to all the different customers and said that. said, we'll criminalize you if you leave your house. The government did this. State by state, the government has stolen money from people. It's a new form of taxation. It's taxation through the potential civil and criminal punishment of leaving your home. We'll talk about that more in a future episode of The Charlie Kirk Show. You guys can email us your thoughts and questions, freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. The experts have been wrong. The models have been wrong. And I'll finish the show with what I asked at the beginning. If I hated America, what models would I want? If I hated America... What would I want to see on that XY axis? If I hated America, 
what type of model would I want to see to get what I want? Would I want to see a two and a half million figure of death or a 60,000 figure of death? If I believe that government was the best thing that we could do to help people's lives, would I want to see a hysterical model or a sober model? If I hated America, would I want to see hospital beds running out or would I want to see a surplus of hospital beds, which we have right now, by the way, which we have all across the country, a surplus of hospital beds and hospital workers that are making TikTok videos. We have more ventilators than we know what to do with. We're exporting ventilators. If I hit an America, which kind of model would I want? I'm afraid that when we look at this retrospectively, and there will be books written about this, and there will be podcasts dedicated to this, this will be as generationally, societally, and culturally impactful as 9-11 and the 2008 financial crisis. There is no argument about it. I hope that when we do the autopsy of this, we do not learn that we were intentionally misled by people. I hope we were misled by people with good intentions. I hope and pray that we were not misled by people that were filled with malevolence for America. Well, thanks everybody for listening to this episode. Please email us, freedom at charliekirk.com. We've got to ask me anything coming up, more interviews, and go back into the archives of the Charlie Kirk Show, Rational Case for Jesus, Glenn Beck, Dan Crenshaw. We got the President of the United States, Vice President, Senator Tom Cotton, Senator Ted Cruz. My goodness, we had a lot of guests on this show. It's all there, all listed on the archives of the Charlie Kirk Show. And do me a favor, please subscribe to the Charlie Kirk Show. Type in the Charlie Kirk Show, hit subscribe, give us those five-star ratings, and leave a review. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We are surging in the charts, and please get friends to subscribe to Charlie Kirk Show. If you guys are just sitting around at home, go take all the phones you possibly can, type in Charlie Kirk Show, hit subscribe. Type in Charlie Kirk Show, hit subscribe. And if you want to get involved with Turning Point USA, go to tpusa.com, chip in some money. We are starting new chapters. We are growing our events, tpusa.com. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. God bless you, and God bless America. We are going to get through this and be stronger than ever before. God bless. Hey, I got a new podcast coming. It's called Theory. Don't you know? This is Theo Rossi. Our world is changing. For many of us, it'll never feel the same. The important thing to remember is that we are all in this together. And that's some of what I want to talk about on my new show, Theory. We're going to discuss the things that no one ever does. The real talk, the sacrifice, and the struggle that everyone goes through. My life has kind of put me in a unique position to see things honestly. This is Theo Rossi. And my new show, Theory, launches on April 8th, officially on Spotify, Podcast One, and Apple Podcasts. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.